I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Hear elevated conversation on crucial issues. Boyd Matheson on Inside Sources. Well, last year, the Biden administration passed a bill subsidizing semiconductor chip manufacturing in the United States. But now, as is often the case in these kinds of things, the Commerce Department is attaching a lot of strings to those subsidies. Those strings tend to benefit those who are well-connected at the expense of the actual manufacturers or those who might be more competitive in the space. Uh, To help us understand what that really means, and especially in light of everything going on with China, uh, J.D. Cicilli joins us uh, to help break all of that down. He's the current contributing editor at Reason.com. And, uh, J.D., you got a great piece on these subsidies uh, that are actually squeezing semiconductor manufacturers. Give us a little bit of the lay of the land. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, look, we, it's no secret that there's a rising international tensions, that uh, the supply chain's been busted, and that the world's kind of fracturing in all the global trade we've been engaged in uh, for decades now, that's making the world uh, a more prosperous place, is kind of breaking up, compartmentalizing, so manufacturing is moving closer to home or to home. Um, but we have to ask ourselves, I mean, if you know, when there's manufacturing that's taking place overseas, if manufacturers haven't yet moved it back or aren't considering moving it back, why is it? I mean, are there ways of making it easier for them to manufacture here that don't involve subsidies? Because the Biden administration went straight to subsidies with the CHIPS Act, and there's tens of billions of dollars in subsidies. And when you read the conditions of putting on these uh, subsidies, you understand what the motivation is. Because if you get out of the way, if you deregulate, if you lower taxes, if you break down tariffs that kind of make it more difficult or more expensive to produce here, you don't get to twist arms. But when you offer direct money in the form of subsidies, you can put conditions on it, including requiring the use of unionized labor, including requiring subsidized child care, including uh, giving back a skim of the profits to the government at the other end. Um, All of a sudden, the stuff starts looking very political. Uh, a lot of arm twisting, not a lot of free enterprise going on here. And you've got to assume that it's going to drive up costs and create a more expensive product at the other end. Right. And it, and it not only does it increase, it increase that cost, uh, the, the quality usually tends to go down. Uh, and it often drives out of the market uh, those upstart companies, those entrepreneurial companies who can't afford, uh, can't afford an army of lawyers and lobbyists. Uh, to go get some leverage points uh, with a member of Congress. Uh, and so you actually lose that competitive edge that you're you're trying to get. Uh, and so uh, in your piece, you talked about how you can help this whole process. Obviously, having more uh, chips manufactured here can be a very, very good thing for us on a number of fronts. Uh, but how do we do that without just going straight to the subsidy card uh, and all the strings that are usually attached to it? Oh, absolutely. And that's just that you can create an easier but also a fair playing field that would allow for startups, allow for other manufacturers to enter. Um, and you're absolutely right. When you create these, uh, these subsidy um, you know, uh, systems, 
Um, they're most easily navigated by the established players that have uh, compliance departments, that have political relationships. Um, it makes it very hard for new players. But if you clear the field, and you've got uh, economists at the Mercatus Center who recommended that you deregulate the, uh, the manufacturing set, sector. You make it easier to file environmental um, plans. You um, stop forcing um, private you know, companies to use uh, unionized labor. Uh, there are reasons that you know, there, you know, unionized labor drives up costs. You could also lower tariffs that make it harder for them to get raw materials and component parts, bring them into the country that they ne- then need to build uh, their chips from because you can't source everything in the United States. And the Tax Foundation recommends that you change the, the uh, tax code so it makes it more profitable to invest. Other countries have more competitive tax systems than we do. It makes it easier to invest in, um, in new manufacturing plants. And these manufacturing plants are expensive. They cost billions of dollars to set up. Now, that said, even before the Biden administration announced its subsidy plan, you already had announcements by companies like Samsung and Texas Instruments and Intel of billions of dollars in investment here because they have really good, sound business reasons in our changing world to build new manufacturing here. So you really have to wonder, what's the incentive? What's the motive for the administration to get to uh, to set up a very expensive for the taxpayers subsidy system? And when you look at the conditions, obviously, it's because they want to extract concessions from these companies. But it's going to drive up cost. Uh, Taiwan Semiconductor, TSMC, which is one of the biggest manufacturers of high-level chips in the world, it's already, it's already investing in the U.S. because the big manufacturing in Taiwan is at risk in China, and they want a closer access to the U.S. market anyway. But the uh, Morris Chang, who was the founder of the company, warned that the new plant in Arizona, the chips coming out of there are already going to cost 50% more um, than it costs to produce them in Taiwan. And that's before they start complying with conditions and taking government money and kicking back a skim of the profits to the federal government. So this is a, just a mess across the board, and it's a heavily politicized mess. And it's going to make it harder and more expensive for Americans uh, in the future. Yeah, and I, I want to go back to your comment from Mr. Chang, uh, that, that it's such a stunning number to say that the, the cost already of making chips in Arizona is 50% higher than it is in Taiwan. Uh, and, and all of these things that we're supposed to be doing to be more competitive, in many cases, because the, the government is putting their thumb on the scale that is helpful to some companies and not others, uh, it skews that free market push and pull and innovation, uh, we often end up with lower quality, higher price, uh, and uh, more government uh, involvement, uh, which usually means things are being less efficient. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, think about this. This is before the conditions were announced, um, you know, um, very recently. This is back in the, the, when the groundbreaking took place in the Arizona plant in November. Morris Chang said that uh, the cost of making chips in Arizona uh, maybe was going to be about 50 percent higher, at least, he said, actually, at least 50 percent higher than it is in Taiwan. The reason I'm moving here is for closer access to the U.S. market in a more fragmented world, in a tenser world, where you're worried about um, free trade and just might not be that easy or even that safe to get uh, products from point A to point B. But what that means for us in the future is that the products we buy with these components, if you have to buy a phone that's got chips in that costs 50% more than they used to, the phone is going to be more expensive. The same for your laptop computer, the same for your television set. These has add-on effects down the board. And then if the government comes in and starts imposing conditions that drive costs further up and taking the skim of the profits, um, you know your costs are going to go up. And the end products that we are going to be purchasing for years to come are going to be that much more expensive, which means in real terms, we're going to be poorer. Uh, uh, great insight as always. J.D. Tajili, uh, contributing editor at Reason.com. Great piece at Reason.com. You should check that out today. Uh, J.D., thanks for helping us break that down as always. It looks good on the top line, but you got to get under the numbers and the headlines to figure out what's really going on. Thanks for having me on. All right. Again, that's J.D. Chichilli. And, uh, again, it sounds like a great thing. Hey, we're going to invest so we can have more semiconductor manufacturers here. That's great. That is great. But just doing it by subsidies is not the right way to go because they're, they come with all these strings that are attached that increase the cost and reduce the quality and create more problems down the road. Uh, as I mentioned with J.D., and as J.D. pointed out, look, every time that happens, the people who benefit are the lobbyists in Washington, D.C. And companies who can afford a lot of lobbyists do really well when there's these subsidies from the federal government because they can have their lawyers and lobbyists navigate the new regulations, the new red tape, the strings that are attached to getting hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars. And so we have to be careful about what we wish for. Uh, yes, we want to be more independent when it comes to chip manufacturing. But if we do it in a way that makes it more expensive for your phone, for your television, for your car, for your house, uh, that's not good for the American people. And it ends up hurting the little guy the most. All right, we'll step aside for some bottom of the hour news. We're going to go back as when we come back and talk about my conversation with Mitt Romney from yesterday talking about China, Ukraine, Wildfires in the West. Much more to come on Inside Sources. Stick around. We'll be right back. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.